What do we want? Climate action. When do we want it? Now. 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 I'm a big fan of meat. I love eating meat. Um, well, I loved eating meat. My favorite restaurant was an all-you-can-eat meat buffet. So cutting out meat was a hard thing to do. But to me, the impact that it has on climate, I feel like it was more important and it was a small sacrifice to make. Hello, I'm John Duffy, and that's Sam Berapote, a 21-year-old nursing and health science student from Auckland. He went vegan after attending the Auckland School Strikes for Climate Marches. And that was 15th of March, 2019. 80,000 people marching down Queen Street. I went with one of my friends. Eventually, after the crowd started moving from Aotea Square and started walking down Queen Street, we all didn't fit in Aotea Square. We were just everywhere. I mean, 80,000 people is a lot. And we started walking, and then I lost her. All I could see was just random faces. Normally the marches are just on the road, but this was on the sidewalk to sidewalk. Every little side street was swarming with people. It was loud. I mean, the noise was incredible. There was a lot of vegans around with their signs talking about it, as well as my own research looking into the effects of the agricultural industry on the planet is incredible. The CO2 emissions, the water usage, the land usage is ridiculous. All for meat, which is, like, it's not worth it. Who can remember stats? Not Sam, and not me. So I looked them up. Big dairy, beef and lamb generate 97% of our agricultural greenhouse gas emissions and nearly 50% of our entire annual emissions. That makes him the single biggest contributor to our national carbon footprint. So, mm -hmm. welcome. Hi. Is it really worth it to keep cramming that burger for dinner? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes good, eh? Yeah, I mean, cheeseburgers are delicious. And also, I feel like the meat alternatives just aren't as tasty. So why swap? It's not that I eat the burger every night, but why can't I have one cheeseburger occasionally, John? Uh, look, I'm not standing in you between me. you and a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good idea. <laughs> what do we want? When do we want so Sam's take is that the school strike movement hasn't just had an effect on him and his friends. He's seeing this as a societal shift. I definitely believe that the younger generation, the newer generations, are coming out with the same mindset as me. And I do believe the school strikes, because it happened all over the world, do have a big impact on that. Because that was about the youth representing the changes they wanted to make for their future. Because it is. It will be our future that it's impacting. All the 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds and stuff, they'll all be gone by the time the, the real damage is done. Us, as the younger generation, we realise we need to make these changes now. It's becoming a societal change where it's not so ingrained in us that this is the only diet, this is the only way you can eat. 
Welcome to Consume This, your fortnightly podcast from Consumer NZ. Brought to you by me, John Duffy. And me, Sophie Richardson. Each week, we're taking on one of the big issues here in Aotearoa. If you haven't guessed it already, this week we're talking about meat. More specifically, we're asking the question, what impact does our diet have on the world around us? Whether it's on the bone, off the bone, whether it's stewed, roasted or fried, beef and lamb are Kiwi classics. And I actually feel quite close to this topic because as a young man, I put myself through university working uh, in a butchery. And uh, it taught me lots, I have to say, that for the most part, butchers are really cool people and very thoughtful. Mm. Secondly, I guess I learned some of the best yarns you can have in a workplace are working side by side with people on meat. Some of the butchers that I've had the privilege of working with over the years um, have a very unique and colourful and often sexually explicit turn of phrase. Uh, that, uh, But I think I'm, I, I have Did to say... Did you learn I'm, how the sausage was made? Yeah, you don't actually <laughs> want to appear behind the curtain yeah. on that one. Mm. But I think I'm better for that experience. And I guess, it, you know, it actually taught me what a hard day's work really looks like. And it's backbreaking, it's high intensity. And if you do it for 40 or 50 years, actually, you're a bloody legend. Mm. The biggest thing it probably left me with is the fact that meat is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, especially good meat. That's led me into my adult life and many of the meals that I cook for my family are still completely based around meat. You start with the meat and then you craft the rest of the meal around that. Meat and, and three veg. Meat and three veg, that's right. And I, I think it probably at a, at a personal level it's a, it's a throwback to my aggressively non-vegetarian upbringing. And of course, you know who else is aggressively non-vegetarian? The Beef and Lamb Marketing Board. And as the name suggests, they've been pushing against the tide of Kiwi society's slow drift towards the green stuff for decades. Around two kilos of stir-fried vegetables will give you half your daily iron needs. But because lean beef is not only a rich source of iron, but helps you absorb up to three times more iron from vegetables, this beef and vegetable stir-fry will also give you half your daily iron needs. 140 grams of grilled lean rump steak. So that's meat. I can't say I specifically recall any of those adverts, but they must have been around while I was growing up. But of course, meat's not the only game in town anymore. There's a whole new breed of proteins and meat substitutes out there. And their marketing, well, it's a bit different. Rather than trying to play on our health concerns, they're focusing their attention on the climate emergency. What if we took this cow off the table and just made friends with her? What if this guy grew more plants and we got protein from his beans, brown rice and peas instead and made a great burger? What if it didn't even stop there and we used less land and energy, put less greenhouse gases into the air? What if it was already happening? That was from Beyond Meat, a fake meat creeping under the door frames of our supermarkets. But the real meat, the fleshy and juicy one, is still a Kiwi favourite. According to OECD food and agriculture data, we're in the top 10 meat-consuming nations. But data also shows that as a nation, our meat consumption has been decreasing even as it rises in the rest of the world. Over the last 20 years in New Zealand, it's dropped by over 15%. 
Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's only half the story. When we look at those most kiwi of meats, beef and lamb, we're eating 46% and a massive 87% less respectively. 87%, that is huge. And a research study by Lincoln University found that at least in part, this is driven by young Kiwis leaving home and cutting back or ditching the meat and three that they grew up with. Now remember Sam? He's the 21-year-old former meat lover we heard from earlier. Growing up, I did eat a lot of meat. That was just what my parents ate, and that's so therefore that's what I ate. And I mean, I loved it. I had no problem with meat. It was always the best part of the meal. A meal would always be centered around the meat, the steak and whatever else is with it, or sausages and whatever else is with it. Uh, don't even get me started on beef burgers. I used to love burgers. Yeah, I still probably couldn't get enough of them now. My parents originally thought it was quite interesting. They didn't really understand where I was coming from. We never even really ate much vegetarian food, let alone vegan food. So where's all this coming from? And what happened when Sam moved out of home? I was at my friend's house and we were all having drinks and he had recently become vegan. He said, you should give it a go. And I said, well, I've always wanted to try it, so maybe I will. I'll start by cutting out uh, red meat first. And then I decided, actually, you know what? I'll just go vegetarian. I'll try vegetarian first. When I move out of home in a couple of weeks' time, I'll go full-fledged vegan. So we've heard what the stats say, and we've heard from Sam, but what about the people on the ground, the butchers? Good afternoon, Cameron Harrison Butchery. Oh, g'day. Look, hey, my name's John. It's a bit of a weird call, but I'm um, doing a, a podcast on meat consumption. Kind of really where we were going with it was what have you seen changed over the time you've been in the industry? When I first started, I was concerned about how much meat New Zealanders are going to consume because three years ago there was a lot of emphasis in plant-based proteins and um, the environmental effect of agriculture. Since then... I still think it's in the forefront of most people's minds, but it isn't as huge of an impact as I thought it would be. So, right, okay. So I'd probably say more New Zealanders are trying to eat less meat where they can because they probably think it's the right thing to do for the environment. Hello, that's Butchery. I wondered if you had kind of a, a butcher lying around that we could have a yarn to, or you might be a butcher yourself. Um, <laughs> the butcher's wife. I probably know as much as some yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? No. So what, what kind of trends are you seeing? We're in a little town and the people in this little town like to eat meat, so they're pretty big meat eaters. Yeah. If you're saying have people buying less meat, probably not here. Lucky's Butchery, Grant speaking. Oh, g'day Grant. How long have you been in the trade? The business has been here since 1927. Oof. Are people's meat consumption habits changing? Yeah, they probably have. They definitely don't eat meat every night anymore. Mm-hmm. They go through fads of what's on cooking shows and different things like that. So, yeah. so sort of social media and TV has some influence now. So those guys are local butchers. I don't know about you, but I buy most of my groceries, including my meat, from the supermarket. So, on the line now, I've got Nikhil Savant, and he's in charge of meat at Countdown. 
The whole food landscapes evolved dramatically as people have traveled across the world, have been exposed to different food groups and taste profiles. The eating habits have changed and evolved. So customers are consuming different types of meat and different profiles of meat. The consumption has slowed down a bit. People are a bit more aware about the animal welfare issues, a bit of a sustainability and then the other things which uh, we have started seeing over the last maybe five years or so more, uh, rapid growth in vegetarian products and meat alternatives, that has gone from strength to strength. We're seeing almost double-digit growth in that segment, admittedly of a very small base, uh, but customers are increasingly looking for other alternative options to meat. Can you just give us a flavour of, of what those options are? So, you know, we're talking about vegetarian sausages or tofu or what, what kind of things are we talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, so it ranges from vegetarian sausages, tofu, as you just said, uh, but also meat-free or meat alternative for burger patties. I don't know whether you've seen the Sunfed products, which are a local supplier made in New Zealand. So it's an alternative to chicken. They've launched uh, an alternative to bacon and also to beef mince, you could say fake meat kind of products are also growing in demand. And have you tried some of the substitutes like the Beyond Burger and things like that? Yeah, I have. And uh, I tell you what, it's uh, quite amazing what uh, technology and innovation's done over the years, right? It's very difficult to distinguish um, between what's real and what's uh, fake. And as time progresses, I think we will see a lot more innovation in that space. So if our very non-representative sample of butchers are to be believed, not all that much has changed in the small towns. It seems like it's the cities that are driving the trend. And according to a much larger survey, the Colmar Brunton Better Futures 2020 report, almost 50% of us agree we need to change our diet to protect the environment. But why would we even do that? What impact does our diet have? How we grow our food and what we're eating affects a whole range of different environmental outcomes. This is Alex McMillan. She's an associate professor from the University of Otago who conducted some research into the greenhouse gas emissions of agriculture and different diets in New Zealand. About half of our climate pollution comes from agriculture, from methane and nitrous oxide. Meat has got three really big environmental impacts. The first one is land use change, so shifting forests towards growing livestock. The second one is around uh, our use of fertilisers to grow grass and the pollution effects of that on water through nitrogen pollution. And the third effect, of course, is the methane and nitrous oxide, the greenhouse gases that come from livestock growing that are affecting climate change. What, what does nitrous oxide and phosphorus and methane do to the environment? Like, why are they bad? Yeah, so nitrogen in particular so um, has a couple of effects. When we add it to the land and it washes off into the water, it causes what's called eutrophication, which means that there's too much nitrogen in the water and that stops the healthy growth of things like fish and other freshwater organisms and instead causes algal blooms and things like that. And so that tips the balance from healthy waterways into really unhealthy waterways where biodiversity can't grow. And then 
the nitrous oxide that comes from that is a really potent greenhouse gas, so much more potent than carbon dioxide. And also it sticks around in the atmosphere a whole lot longer as well. So it's a really important greenhouse gas that we need to reduce. Looking at New Zealand, Alex, what's our agricultural carbon footprint like? Yeah, so we know that about half of our total climate pollution comes from agriculture. And that's those gases that I'm talking about, the methane and the nitrous oxide in particular. Um, and most of it comes from methane. That means that agriculture is a really important place for New Zealand to be taking action on climate change. And diets are a really helpful way to begin to think about that. So which food production is contributing the most to that carbon footprint? Beef and lamb um, in particular and processed meats are an order of magnitude greater than um, plant-based foods, even in New Zealand. Thanks, Alex. We'll hear more from her soon. We see so much talk about electric cars and green energy, but this feels like it could have a real impact. But as we discussed, I love meat, and it's such a staple part of our meals and the way we, or at least I, grew up cooking. How about you, John? Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think one of the interesting things about the meat substitutes uh, that we're seeing out there in the market at the moment is they're actually, they are resembling the meat products that we're used to buying. And, you know, I think that's very clever from a marketing perspective because often the default position that you get to, I guess, when you're tired or um, if you're feeling lazy, you just go, all right, what am I familiar with? I'm familiar with banging a piece of chicken in a fry pan and cooking it that way. Well, if a meat substitute can do the same thing, um, that's great. Yeah. Can I have a cheeseburger, but it's with a patty that isn't made of meat and Mm. looks familiar, but it's completely different. Yeah. I found using meat substitutes such as Beyond Burgers and vegan sausages and all those types of foods made it a lot easier for me because I'm not the greatest cook. So I didn't have to be super creative to still eat a healthy, balanced vegan diet. Sam's tried it. Nikhil's tried it. But I haven't. They're not your standard 90s veggie burger. These are designed to look and feel like real meat. Our producer Tom went to the shop and grabbed a couple of Beyond Burgers and a couple of delicious traditional real cow ones. I've got a fact for you, John. According to research by the American Restaurant Association, 95% of people who buy vegan burgers were also meat eaters. So they obviously can't taste terrible. Yeah. And they can't taste so different from the original that you wouldn't count them as a burger substitute. Mm. Although I'd be interested to know whether those were repeat purchases or whether that was like, I'll give it a go because it's interesting. All right, Tom's just brought us in a couple of delicious burgers. They're looking very juicy and delicious here. Half of the burger is made with meat products, and the other half is a non-meat product. I'm picking up the fatter patty. Mm. I think that's meat. Mine's the thinner patty that I've just eaten. Yeah, I think that 
I've got some self-doubt. I'm going to taste the other one. Mm. This is the thinner one. I don't know. Nothing wrong. The only reason I reckon that is because it tastes slightly more salty. The thin patty is meat. Yeah. Yep, you are right. (laughs) Um, Definitely a different mouthfeel. For the fake one. Mm. Mm. It's quite fat. Like, not fatty, just fat. It does have, like, a like a meaty pull-apart texture. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There is something wrong with it, though. Yeah, it's, it's slightly it, cardboardy. Yeah, yeah, like p- plasticky almost, I think. Like, rubbery. I don't know. It's not bad. It's just odd. I wouldn't not eat it if, like, if I was... At yeah. someone's house and it was served, I would go, oh, thanks, and I'd eat it. Yeah. But I wouldn't buy it. No. I think I generally I would just rather eat not meat. Like, if I'm going to go for a vegetarian meal, mm. I'm just going to have a vegetarian meal that isn't based around some sort of fake meat. I'm just going to have eggs, like a frittata. I'd have a tofu stir-fry. Yeah, a tofu stir-fry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're pretty clear. The fake meat is fine, but it's a miss from both of us. But I guess the question for me is, are these fake meats any better for the environment than the real deal? Let's welcome back our University of Otago environmental health researcher, Alex McMillan. Because these are really new products and they're really variable, we don't have good life cycle analyses yet. But what we can say is that The farming and production emissions that come from things like peas and other legumes that go into making these fake meats are a tiny proportion of the food and production emissions from beef and lamb. And so if we only took the farming and production side, then yes, we'd have to say that the ingredients that go into these fake meats tend to have much lower emissions. What's not really known yet are the processing emissions. So Mm. we know that these fake meats have a whole lot of processing then that goes on uh, with them. And it's not quite clear yet what those processing emissions look like compared with other food groups. But when you look at all the food groups that we analysed, it's likely that those processing emissions make up a small proportion of the total emissions from that food group. So it's likely that they're still quite a lot lower than beef and lamb overall. What about from a health perspective? Because I've heard that they contain a high amount of salt. So would it be better to eat a small amount of, say, steak or a larger proportion of fake meat to get the same amount of protein? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think that these quite highly processed fake meat foods are likely to be really variable in their nutrient values. But what we can say from our analysis overall is that every step we take towards eating less uh, red and processed meat and less highly processed foods and more fresh fruits and vegetables, um, legumes and whole grains is really good for health and the planet. So, John... After all of this, are you ready to join Gen Z and cut back or 
leave meat behind you? Look, I found it really interesting, and I think part of it is just being conscious and aware. When you choose to buy meat, you're making a choice to buy something that is a lot more um, that takes a lot more toll on the environment than perhaps alternatives. So I think I am I am ready to cut back, but I think the key for me is not suffering as I do it. So cutting back to alternatives that are, are yummy. I mean, you don't have to convince me to eat something that's that's yummy, right? Mm. And um, I guess expanding the portfolio of things that I prepare for my family or um, things that we regular eat, regularly eat into more meatless options. Um, yeah, I think I'm up for that change. Yeah, same, but in a sense that I'm kind of reassured, I guess, in some ways that the fact I was already eating red meat only once or twice a week, it's probably generally the right thing to do other than like obviously Alex's recommendation is to take red meat out altogether. But I just feel like it's too delicious and I can't get rid of it. <laughs> so I think it's about eating less meat, not necessarily going vegan as our friend Sam has, although Yeah, I mean I think everyone makes their own choice, don't they? I might be too set in my ways to fully give up red meat, but certainly Mm -hmm. my perception of it as a regular staple is shifting. And, Mm. you know, I'm certainly coming around to the idea that actually it's a every now and again kind of treat food rather than um, something that's got to be served up Mm. at least, you know, two or three times a week. And what about Alex? Has her research changed the way she thinks about food? I was already on a journey towards more plant-based meals. I'd already kind of pretty much stopped eating beef for environmental reasons. And certainly it's made me eat less red meat. I have a teenager who (laughs) who likes meat. We have to make these difficult um, compromises in our family lives. Thanks for joining us on Consume This with me, John Duffy. And me, Sophie Richardson. And a big thanks to all our guests, the butchers, Sam and Alex, for sharing their stories and wisdom with us. We'll be back in two weeks' time. If you haven't heard them yet, our first two episodes are available now. Just search Consume This in your podcast app. You can find us on Instagram at ConsumerNZ, online at consumer.org.nz forward slash podcast, or get in touch via podcasts at consumer.org.nz. Our producer was Tom Rees-Smith, and a special thanks this week goes to Scott Moore for his help pulling together the meat consumption data we talked about in this episode. Kakiti. See ya. Hello, I am Abby Darman, and I work in the campaigns team at Consumer New Zealand. I want to tell you about some of the exciting work we're doing here at Consumer New Zealand. Right now, literally, as we speak, we are working really hard to keep big businesses and our lawmakers in check. So we're currently engaged in taking on unfair retirement village contracts, misleading supermarket pricing and dodgy green claims. To keep up this good work, we need to raise $50,000 before the 24th of September. So please, if you can, help us to help others by heading to consumer.org.nz forward slash donate. Thanks so much.